This is an ABC podcast. Hi, I'm Kaya Handley, here with your next step, the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up. The best stories from right around the Hunter today. Well, I mean, we don't want to put a big dog in a family with, you know, three little children, for example. We're very fussy where we are about our foster carers. Everyone's great pet idea of 2020 is coming back to be a big problem in the Hunter, but there's a band of rescuers who are chipping in. Let's get into it. It's always your last resort to call an ambulance, but when you do, there's an expectation that help will come within a shortish time frame. This didn't happen for Margaret France. This is her daughter-in-law, Karen. Margaret had been unwell uh, about a month prior to her death. Uh, she had been in John Hunter Hospital with septicemia. She was released from there into homelessness. They seemed to want to get her out of there pretty quick. About three weeks later, she'd been up all night in excruciating pain. Her um, housemate eventually rang the ambulance when Margaret was screaming in pain, uh, basically saying, I've had enough, help, help me, help me. So Neil, in good faith, rang the ambulance. He was told they were very busy, but an ambulance would attend. Waiting for that ambulance at home in the Hunter, Margaret's housemate called three more times to ask where the ambulance was or how much longer they had to wait. By the time the ambulance arrived, seven and a half hours of, of basically Margaret screaming in pain, begging for help, the poor paramedics, our heart just absolutely bleeds for them to have to work under these conditions. Basically, by then, Margaret was pretty close to unconscious. The ambulance then put Margaret eventually into the ambulance. Um, She was sent to the nearby hospital of Belmont and where she promptly died 10 minutes later. The family has asked the Healthcare Complaints Commission to investigate, as well as asking questions of the New South Wales health system. Karen says it's bigger than just an issue with ambulance wait times. So we don't want scapegoats like COVID. We don't want scapegoats like, oh, the poor operator didn't tell Neil to get someone. We just want the government to own this. This is what we're aiming for. This week, the New South Wales Premier, Dominic Perrottet, announced a boost to the health workforce in New South Wales, with 10,000 extra nurses, doctors and medical staff recruited over the next four years and raising the wage of frontline health workers. Karen says it's a start, but wonders if it goes far enough. The amount of money they're putting in is still only going to just have us on par with the, with the worst of the states in Australia. It's not going to bump us up to all of a sudden better than everyone else. It's just going to drag us back to the bottom line of of the low. We're still going to be underfunded. We're still going to be under-resourced. All of the issues about the, the, the poor frontline workers. In a statement, the New South Wales Ambulance Service said it extends its sincere condolences to the family during this difficult time and acknowledges the distress this experience has caused. A review of this incident is being undertaken... Their findings and any recommendations will be provided to the family at the conclusion of the review process. Remember at the peak of the pandemic, where it seemed like everyone staying at home was getting a dog or a cat? The problem we thought might happen, it's happening, but foster families are stepping up to help. Meet Sue Barker. Sue is the president of Dog Rescue Newcastle. Those animals now, these pounds are now um, reaching out to all the rescue groups 
and we're being sort of um, just basically hammered with um, requests to take dogs from all over the state as well as private surrenders within the local area. Sue says she's getting 10 calls about surrendering dogs each day. But how is this happening in such large numbers? It all came about earlier this year when laws were changed in New South Wales. It stopped councils from euthanising animals once they've reached a certain time in a pound. As a result, councils now need to take a number of steps before ending the life of an animal. And that's where Sue and her team are coming in. They're training foster families to help cope with the spike in dog and cat surrenders in the region and beyond. Look, I've foster cared so many animals over the years. And look, you just, some animals have stayed with me because they haven't, you know, they've been difficult or whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm quite happy for an animal to go to a, a good, a new home and a good home. And we're very fussy um, as to where the animals go. And I know I can't keep them all, as other foster carers do, but certainly some foster carers foster fail, definitely. And Sue's success is pretty simple. Just find a good foster home ready for a pet. They have to have certain certain equality, certainly a good, secure yard. Um, And we we visit the people, we do an induction um, before we decide that, yes, we can put a dog. I mean, we don't want to put a big dog in a family with, you know, three little children, for example. We're very fussy where we about our foster carers. So if you or someone you know is able to help out, look out for Dog Rescue Newcastle. They'll be happy for the help. All this rain has meant we're all getting a little creative with our life. But for one farmer in the Hunter, he's had to literally think big sky for an everyday problem. You might know that most seeds get planted with big industrial tractors and trucks. That's a Gloucester farmer, Bill Williams. He's gone the chopper. Well, he used a contractor from, uh, I think he's from Baraba. Anyway, he was in the area anyway. He had a little uh, spinner on the bottom. I think he holds about 400 kilos of seed. And um, he, we just put the bags of seed in that and, and um, yeah, away he went. And it's remo- he's done it with a GPS and um, he had a remote control to turn the uh, spreader off and on. Farmer Bill is a fourth generation dairy farmer, but the amount of rain that he's had means he can't get road machinery into the paddock. So instead, he's looking to the skies. And it's simpler than you think. Uh, well, seasons like this, you know, yeah, with all the moisture in the ground, the rye, the rye grass and that'll germinate on the top pretty well. So, you know, you're not going to have a season like this all the time. While the cost was definitely higher, Bill says desperate times. Oh, well, it was going into the land of unknown, but I thought, well, you know, progress is progress. Uh, and they've used, you know, there's been a lot of other people used them in the area over the years, saying they're higher country, where ours is mainly, you know, flats and uh, ridges. So it just sewed it on and hope, hope for the best. While it's a clever idea, it's probably the last time he'll do it for a while. You really only get one chance to plant from the skies with this amount of rain opening up the soil. And Bill would like his farming a bit closer to the ground. And that's The Hunter for another day. If you've only just listened to this episode, don't forget to listen to the rest and subscribe via the ABC Listen app or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up. I'll catch you then.